0: Um, well, my name's John. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills, and I'm really excited to be starting this brand new message series with you today. It's called "Gods at War," which is a little bit of an odd title, I know. It's actually not a title original to us. There's a book by Kyle Eidelman of this same title. That, if you want to go deeper, I'd encourage that book. It's a really a great book. Um, the basic concept of this series is that while I've, I'm guessing that for, uh, for a good chunk of us, for people who've decided to be followers of Jesus, that, that in our minds, we'd say, oh, I, I don't worship any other God. I, I worship one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? I, I know the answer to the question. But in the way that we live our lives, like practically speaking, sometimes we elevate other things to a place where they shouldn't be, even to a place of making them like little G gods in our lives. And it's not that we mean to do that. It's not that we're trying to push our God away and to to elevate these other things. But sometimes in the way we spend our time, our money, our energy, our talents, all these things, it kind of works out that way. We, we see this in, in many different ways in our world around us. We, we get other things that we tend to put on the throne. For example, one thing we love to do is we love to worship celebrities, right? It's part of our culture, and whether it's a a rock star, whether it's a a favorite YouTuber that you have, uh, whether it's a favorite movie star, we get this. We understand because we we follow them on social media, Uh, we pay attention to everything they do, we really get excited about them. I bet, if we just think about music for a minute, do we have any fans of Taylor Swift here today? Any fans of Taylor Swift? Yeah, I thought, yep, I thought we might have. We've... We've got some Swifties in the house, right? That's pretty exciting. Um, we got Maybe Taylor Swift isn't for you. Maybe, do we have any fans of Miley Cyrus here today? Yeah, no, uh, a few, a few. Okay, so Taylor, more popular than Miley around here. Mark Putman, Miley, is that, no, no, no. Oh, okay, all right. I, I thought I'd been hearing lots of Miley coming out of your office lately. Our offices are just awesome. I shouldn't have outed him like that. That wasn't nice of me at all, right? You know, or maybe, maybe if you've been around a few more years, maybe you're more into Beyonce, right? You know, you're part of the Beehive, right? You know, isn't is interesting. We have names for all these little groups, right? Or big groups for that matter. But now kids, if your mom is ever giving you grief about the celebrities that you like, all you need to do is ask her about her time in the Backstreet Boys army, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. She could get out the photo albums, right, you know, when they used to print out pictures, right, and she could tell you all about the, that, that that concert she went into the late 90s with the Spice Girls, right, pretty exciting times those were, right, or if your dad has incredible taste in music like your pastor does, right, he could tell you about how long he's been in the Pearl Jam 10 Club for, right, like... That's what I'm talking about. But, or, you know, maybe your grandparents, they're like mocking you. They're like, you know, you kids, you and your music, you and your celebrities, back in my day, we never did that, right? Well, let me tell you, that is a lie. That's a lie. I've got some top secret footage here. This, I promise you, I bet some of these people are your grandma and grandpa in these videos. They had to be held back by police, by fences. They're just as crazy as any other generation, I'm telling you. They danced really badly, we know that. They cried at concerts, they were known for that. They used binoculars, that's kind of weird. and they cried. They loved the Beatles so much, they cried, and they had to be taken out by the cops, right? It's nothing new, really. And they passed out. See, Grandma was no different than anybody else here, right? We've been worshiping celebrities for generation after generation, and here, I love music too, right? Like, there's, there's nothing wrong with following a band, with liking these things. We say, okay, well, what's the problem, right? Like, where is there some line here between enjoying, enjoying the good things of this world? Because God obviously, for, I want to say God is not anti-pleasure. We're talking today about this little g-god of pleasure, Right? And God is not anti-pleasure. Sometimes uh, Christians have taught historically that God doesn't want you to do any fun things in life. He just wants you to be kind of generally sad and down about life because he doesn't like it when people have fun. Well, that is a lie. That's nonsense. God gave us five senses so we could experience joy, pleasure, so many different things, right? Like God gave us the ability to see so we could watch the Bengals win, right? The ability to hear so we can hear the commentary as the Bengals win. The ability to taste so we can eat good food while the Bengals win, right? You you see a theme here, right? He's not anti-pleasure, you know. He's not. But there are times where we can take pleasure, something we really like, and we can elevate it and elevate it and elevate it. And we don't mean to, but it gets to where it's even more important to us than our faith in God is. And that's where we got a problem. That's where we've got an idol. Look at how you spend your time. Look at how you spend your energy. When you think about that thing, that pleasure, that, that whatever it is for you that you like so well, maybe it's your favorite food, your favorite band, your favorite hobby, maybe it's getting more money, may, maybe it's your job, maybe it's whatever it may be, whatever brings you so much pleasure when that thing is taken over, the way that we spend our time, our talents, our energy, that's where that thing is, well, becoming an idol to us. And maybe sometimes we even bring in some some bad stuff. Maybe it's an addiction to a substance or the overuse of a medication. Uh, Maybe it's a ways that we use our time that are just really harmful. Maybe it's looking at stuff online we shouldn't. Uh, Maybe it's letting social media like take over our lives so we're never really present where we're at. There's so many different ways that pleasure can take over. In your heart, you don't have to answer this out loud, but fill in this blank here with me. I turn to, first turn to blank when I'm hurting. When you're having a crummy day, When life is hard, maybe it's a bad day at school or a bad day at work or some conflict with your friends, what's the first thing you turn to? Because this might, it just might tell you if you've got an idol in your life. Because I believe that the first thing we should turn to, the first one we should turn to when we're hurting is the Lord. He's the one who binds up the brokenhearted, the Bible says. He's the one who heals us when we're going through pain. And so the first thing I turn to, what if that was praying? What if that was maybe reading my Bible or or maybe talking to a Christian friend or something like this? What if that was first? Because if I'm first putting other things, then maybe those things are becoming an idol in my life. You know, sometimes for us... We can take the things that God has given us, good gifts, and we can put them at a place that's just too high in our lives. We don't mean to, but it can really hurt God's heart, I think. Like, think of it this way. Let's say you gave somebody a Christmas gift that was a really nice Christmas gift, right? Let's say one of your kids, they wanted, what am I holding, kids? Are you kidding it's a PS5 controller, come on, you know this, right? This isn't like a criminal investigation here. The PS5 controller, right? Okay, you, you have them, you've seen them. It's, uh, I wasn't gonna like call you out because you played a PlayStation, right? But let's say somebody gave you a PlayStation, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, right? And it was Christmas, and you did not you were not expecting this thing, right like you were not expecting a gift this nice, and you are so excited and when you opened that paper, wrapping paper mate you were you were screaming and shouting and all this stuff, and they got you on video, and it was hilarious and and uh, they you were hugging and oh thank you you 're the best blah 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 ever right all this right? And so that day you you set it up, right? And and your, your parents, your grandparents, whoever, they're watching you and you're playing and it's just so much fun, right? And they're like, oh, I'm so glad I brought them this awesome gift, right? They're so happy. I love to see my kids or grandkids happy. But then a few weeks go by and you're playing more and more and more and and the game, couple games you got, they start to get old. So we got to buy new games now, right? That all those old games are not so fun anymore. So I'm not happy with the gift as much. I need more of the gift, right? And then, then we keep on going with this thing. And maybe, as parents, you come home and, and there's your kids there, and they're on the PlayStation, and you're like, "Hey, how's your day?" And they're like, "I'm sorry, what? How's your day? I'm fine." You know, oh well, tell me about it. About what? Huh? Yeah. You know how it is. And if we're honest, we took the gifts and we turned them into gods, right? We elevated them in our lives to a place that they shouldn't be. We, we put them in a place they shouldn't. Why? Because the gift replaced the giver. We got more interested in time with the gift than we were in time with the giver. And I wonder sometimes if we've done that in our lives. All of us, doesn't matter how old you are, we're all quite good at doing that. God has given us so many great gifts. And sometimes, sometimes, we focus on those gifts instead of focusing on our God. I want to tell you a story from the Bible today. This is a long, long time ago, about 800 years before Jesus was born there was a prophet named Elijah. Now, prophets are are people who it's their job to speak God's word to other people. Like, they hear from God, God tells them, go tell this message to this person, and they go do it. That's what prophets do. And so there was this king in Israel. His name was Ahab. He was a bad king. He was married to a queen named Jezebel, who was actually from another country where they didn't worship the one true God. They worshiped this God called Baal, um, another kind of lesser goddess named Asherah. And and so what the Israelites were doing was they had historically been kind of worshiping both gods together, like our God and also these idols. Well, why would they do that? I mean, our God had led them out of Egypt, right? Had proven himself time after time after time to be faithful. He commanded them, you know, have no other gods before me. It's in the Ten Commandments, right? It's just how, and so why would they do this? Well, because Baal was known as the rain god. Like, people in those days, some people believed that if you wanted rain, you prayed to Baal. So, like, today would be a good Baal day, right, because it's raining outside. And that seems odd to us, but that was kind of how they believed in those days. It wasn't true. Baal was a fake idol. He had no power whatsoever. But the Israelites, their main job was farming. Their economy, it revolved around farming. And so, and of course, they need farming to eat, right? Right. So, it was very tempting for them to say, you know, we're going to worship the one true God, right? That's going to be our focus, but, but we're also, we're going to kind of hedge our bets a little. It wouldn't hurt to pray to the rain god, too, because we need rain, and well, what if there's something to that bail business, right? So, we'll just kind of, we'll just do some of both. Well, uh, that's bad. God doesn't want that, but Elijah took it to a whole other level. He and, and, and Queen Jezebel, they even started killing God's prophets. So they're trying to take Baal and replace the one true God. And of course, God's not having this, right? And so God calls Elijah to go to Ahab and to go call him out, to go tell him where he's wrong. So Elijah goes, chapter 17, 1 Kings, and he says to the king, as the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Wow. So God's like, hey, you want to worship the rain god? Let me tell you how defunct the rain god is. It's not going to rain, period. It's not going to rain unless I say it's going to rain. So this is a very obvious conflict, right? We're going to show you that the rain god's a false god because you want it to rain. You pray to the rain god. You get no rain. Seems like he doesn't have much power, right? So we're going to show you for years it's not going to rain unless I, God, say that it's going to rain. Why would God do this? Well, he knew he knew that what they were worshiping was fake and false, and he wanted to to show them exactly how powerless that this Baal is. And you know, this is extreme, of course, but I wonder if sometimes God does this kind of thing in our lives, that when we choose an idol, when we choose to put something in the place where only God should be, I wonder if sometimes God takes his blessing away from that thing in our lives. I wonder if sometimes God says, all right, you just you just want to pursue money above all else, well, pursue it. And he takes away his blessing from that. And maybe, maybe sometimes we might struggle financially or maybe we really succeed at this and we get lots of money, more money than we thought we'd get, but it's kind of empty, if we're honest. We just get more and nicer stuff, stuff we thought would just make us so happy forever, and yet then our neighbor gets some better stuff, and, well, that, I'm not going to have that, and so you have to, and it just, it gets kind of hollow, it gets kind of empty, and you hit these things that you thought were the big goals, and now they don't seem to matter so much. Now, I'm not trying to draw too, too straight of a line here, but I think it's relevant. I think it's relevant in our lives. So the question is, for all of us today, what is the bail? or the false idol in your life? What is it for you? Most of us don't have like 30 things. Most of us have like one or two things that really tend to compete, to like to be put in the place where only God should be. So a few years pass. A few years pass without rain. That's devastating. That'd be rough today. That's even more devastating in a a world like theirs. God has made his point. So he sends Elijah back to Ahab. And basically, Elijah sets up this big, like, cage match between the prophets of Baal and the one true God. He's like, we're going to prove once and for all who the real God is, who the true God is. I'm going to show you personally... Who, who is all-powerful. Verse 19 of chapter 18. Now summon people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel, and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab, had, Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Now this is interesting because historically Mount Carmel had been a place where they worshiped the Lord. There had been an altar there, but, but it had been broken down. So this was a place where they used kind of like a place they used to go to church, right but now they don't go, they knock that down because now we're all about Baal. We believe Baal is really God, even though it hadn't rained in years. We still believe that Baal is the one true or Baal is a God that we should be worshiping. And she says, okay. We're going to meet here on Mount Carmel, and, and then it says uh, that Elijah challenges them. Verse 21, how long will you waver between two opinions? How long are you going to go back and forth? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Nothing. Are, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> if, if Baal, the one who ma- allegedly makes rainfall, oh, we haven't seen rain in years, if you still are on that train, if you still think Baal's a God, okay, go ahead, worship Baal. How's that working out for you, by the way? But if God is God, worship him. Choose. Who's it going to be? And what do the people say? Nothing. Years have taught them nothing. This is amazing. But I think it's exactly what we do. Why would they say nothing? It's because they don't want to have to make a choice. I don't want to have to choose between God and my idols. I want to have it both ways. I want to have it all. I, I, I want to be able to say, yes, I believe in Jesus, I'm a follower of his, I, I wanna to go to heaven, all these kind of things, like, yes, but I also want to have these fake things that I'm gonna to elevate to whatever level I feel like, and I don't want God to talk to me about it, I don't wanna be challenged about it, I don't wanna think about it, I say nothing. But God's not gonna let them stay there. He's not gonna let them stay there. He's going to show them the depths of this compromise because the problem is that we get comfortable in our compromise. How's that happened in your life? How's it happened where there's a bale, there's an idol, there's something false and fake, and you've just kind of cozied up with this thing? You've just gotten comfortable. You don't want to have to choose between God and your lifestyle. You don't want to choose between God And that substance. You don't want to choose between God and that thing that you put all your time and energy into. You don't want to have to choose between God and those dreams. You don't want to choose between God and those sins. I want it both ways. And we just get comfortable and cozy in that compromise. But God is saying, my son, my daughter, choose me. Haven't you seen how all these other things, they let you down, they're not all they promised to be? They aren't really there for you when you're hurting? Won't you choose me? Won't you choose me? So the stage is set. Mount Carmel we've got 850 false prophets plus all the other people who came to watch the show right presumably thousands of people are here this day imagine the the energy the the tension around this right this is like you know, you've been to a big sporting event. This is this kind of thing, right? I imagine Mount Carmel. Maybe they got the wave going on around the mountain. I don't know. I'm betting over the sound system. They're playing Welcome to the Jungle, right? It's time. We're going to throw down here. It's Elijah. It's the prophets of Baal. It's God. It's Baal. What's going to happen here? Verse 25. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bowls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. In other words, you, you get the ball first. Choose or call on the name of, of your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bowl given to them and prepared it. Okay, so this is how they're going to tell. They make this sacrifice, which was common in those days, and they, but instead, usually you would, you would sacrifice the animal, you would place it on the altar, then you would light the fire, it would be consumed. This would be like an offering to God. This is how they worshipped in those days. But what we're going to do we're going to see who the real God is here. We're going to, you're going to sacrifice your animal on your altar to Baal. And if Baal is real, he's going to light it up. He's going to light that fire today. So they do it. This is how we're going to see who the one true God really is. The bull is prepared. They call on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Hours, hours of calling out, crying out to him and praying. Verse 26 Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. Why? Because Baal's fake. You've seen it over years of no rain, still fake. They danced around their altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Uh, Didn't know prophets, they could trash talk, apparently, and he's pretty good at it, actually. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely Baal is a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming or relieving himself. (laughs) Baal's sitting on the toilet, I don't know what to tell you he's not i don't see any fire how do you explain it smart guy right you're the one doing all the praying you're the one who's saying he's so great maybe he's away on a trip maybe he's asleep and he needs to be wakened up so they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed how sad we're We're dancing around a stupid altar to a stupid fake God who's proven for years he can't do what he's supposed to do. And we're so desperate, they begin to to hurt themselves, to cut themselves. Don't do that. That's a terrible thing to do. They're showing that they'll sacrifice anything, even their own selves, for the purpose of this idol. Friends, friends, Idolatry can be a really ugly thing because it first comes into our lives and it seems subtle, not a big deal. It might even be something that's not really even wrong, but little by little we elevate that thing, or that thing turns into another thing that's wrong and we shouldn't do. And we know we shouldn't, we said we'd never do it, but then we do. And it just gets. Subtly worse and worse and worse. And it takes us to places that we never thought we would go. And if we're honest, some of us are bleeding today. We're bleeding for the gods of pleasure. Have we bled for those gods of pleasure? What's it cost you? Just be honest with yourself. How's it cost you in your family? How does it cost you in your job? How's it cost you in your relationship with the Lord? You cross lines, you said you'd never cross. You've said and done things that you're not proud of. It's controlling your life. Maybe it's hurting the lives of others. Maybe the carnage is small so far, or maybe it's really big. Whatever it may be, let me tell you, the gods of pleasure will make you bleed. They will. If not today, it will happen. You'll sacrifice your reputation, your future, your finances, your relationship with God. You'll, you'll be in positions that you didn't think. You never thought you'd have to get drunk to go to sleep every night. You never thought that you'd start using those pills in that way. You never thought that you'd sacrifice your marriage to that God. You never thought that you'd stop doing so many other things because that one thing consumes your time, your energy, your interests. You never thought you'd be the, the parent you are, or the kid you are, or the whatever. It can be a painful thing to look at our idols. But friends, if... If we're gonna be free, we gotta be honest. Gotta be honest. Verse 29, midday passed. They continued their frantic prophesying until the time for evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Because again, Baal is a nobody. It's a fake thing that we've put in place of a God. When you take something that's not God and you put it in place of a God, it just doesn't work. Pleasure was never intended to be a God. Pleasure's a great thing in many ways, but when we elevate it to a place of God, a place of centrality in our life, it fails to deliver every time because we're trying to lean on pleasure for something that pleasure was never intended to give. Don't replace the giver of the gift with the gift itself. The gift itself was never meant to deliver on that. So Elijah steps forward. It's evening. Now it's his turn. We've proven that Baal can't do this. Elijah steps up and he does something interesting. He quietly rebuilds the altar of God. It's like he's drawing them back to that faith that they've always had. Drawing them back to what they know to be true. Drawing them back to what has changed generation after generation after generation in their country. And he sacrifices the animal. He places it upon him. And then he shows off a little here. He, he commands that they dig a trench around the altar and they dig it. Then he commands that they go and they get, get big buckets of water. And they get water and they dump it all over the sacrifice. And it's drenching the sacrifice. It's filling the trench around the sacrifice, right? Like you uh, girl and Boy Scouts know this doesn't work, right? This is not how you light a fire. You don't light a fire by getting it all wet first. But this is exactly what he does. And then Elijah steps forward and he prays. And it's a big contrast to the prophets of Baal who yelled and screamed and cut themselves and danced and stuff all day long. Elijah steps forward. And he says this, "'Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, "'let it be known today that you are God in Israel, "'that I am your servant "'and have done all these things at your command. "'Answer me, Lord, why? "'So that the people will know that you, Lord, are God, "'and that you are turning their hearts back again.'" Isn't that interesting? God sometimes shows us his power because he wants to draw us to him. That's the purpose. God wants to call us back. And if you're here today and you're like, I don't like this sermon because it's talking about the idol, that thing, and, and you make it sound so easy, John, but it's not easy. You don't just decide to just make this thing go away. I want to do that. I'm tired of following this thing, but it's not easy. Friend, I believe so much in the power of the Holy Spirit and in God's power to dethrone these idols. It's not just going to be trying harder. It's not just going to be a little more disciplined. It might. It, yes, those are important things, but it begins with prayer. It begins with the power of the Spirit. It begins by hearing God speak, by following God's will. If God calls you to therapy, go to therapy. If God calls you to recovery, go to recovery ministries. If God calls you, whatever, do it. But start with the power of God. Start with the power of God. You are turning their hearts back again. I believe God wants to do that work in and through us. Simple prayer, Elijah prays, and God answers in an incredibly powerful way check this out then the fire of the lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil. It also licked up the water in the trench. Scouts will tell you, that's not normal, right? <laughs> this is not some normal fire. Clearly, this is not a little trick. This is not a coincidence. This is No, this is the power of God. This is the fire of God falling from heaven and doing something people could not even imagine. Not only is it it's a miraculous fire that comes down that consumes this sacrifice, sacrifice. And look at the effect. When the people saw this, they fell prostrate. They fell on their face and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Remember before, you're supposed to choose one or the other. We got nothing to say. Now we've seen it. Now we've seen the power of God. Now we've experienced the fire of God. And we say, let's say it together. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Not my idols, not my pleasure, not these other things. No, there's one God. His name is Jesus. And I want to follow him. I want to serve him. I want to know him. So God, we need your fire to fall upon us. We need your power in our lives. We need a touch by your Holy Spirit because God, we have been trying. We have been trying to dethrone these idols and we have failed. Maybe we didn't even see them as idols and you've showed us this morning. God, what are those idols? Would you just lay them on our hearts right now? Help us to see Baal for who he truly is. Lord, we're sorry for pursuing the things that are not of you. We're sorry for putting things on the throne that had no place there. We're sorry for our unfaithfulness to you. We need your forgiveness. Would you forgive us, Lord? Lord we thank you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. <laughs> We are forgiven. We are set free. God, I pray that you'd be breaking chains. I pray that you'd be casting down idols. I pray that you would be destroying strongholds in lives right now, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit. We trust in you. We need you, God. We need your power. We need your strength. We need more of you in our lives. We want to quit pursuing these idols of, of pleasure and, and other stuff, and we just want you. Lord, I pray, I pray that you would move in in mighty ways in our lives. I pray that you would touch our hearts. I pray that you would help us to know that you and you alone are God, for you are so good. We love you, Lord, and pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.